Welcome to Boxes and Lines. Uh, Ronan and I are putting out a couple of podcasts uh, that we uh, taped before everything changed and the coronavirus um, hit us all and sent us to our various home locations. But we thought you would enjoy it. Uh, Ronan, I think, enjoyed uh, taping them, if he remembers. Uh, yeah, I remember them both, I yeah. think. Okay, all right, yeah. I remember it was some great content, and yeah, may maybe some of the timing might be slightly off with what we're going through, but I think you'll enjoy these podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. I'm stuck in this hot box with John Ramsey of IEX. <laughs> welcome, welcome, everyone. <laughs> How are you, my little leprechaun friend? And yet we've lined up one more in a series of esteemed guests, and today we have Melissa Hinman from Glenmead. You all know her, you all love her, the lady of Wall Street, Melissa Hinman. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Before we get going, we do a traditional cheers where we usually like open up a can of beer, but as Melissa and John wanted to keep it posh today, I'm the only one representing with beer. And John and Melissa will clink do like very posh this clink. This is of your a glasses. higher class podcast. Here we go. Okay, we you clink, I right. go. On okay. three, two, one, go. Oh wow, this is higher class. Why does this always spray on me? <laughs> anyway, all right. As we kick it off, let's ease into it with a nice little human interest story. Um, Melissa. Yes, dear. You get asked this, I'm sure, a lot. But I'd love to know why are you looking at me so strangely, John Ramsey? <laughs> You always you know, look so strange. You know That's we why. prepped for this like two minutes <laughs> no, ago. I know we Melissa, did. please, oh, yeah. look away, look away. <laughs> Melissa, can you please tell me how you got started in the business? Okay, well, long, very long story short, is a good friend of mine. My best friend in high school's mother worked in marketing on the Midwest Stock Exchange. And she thought I'd like to have a job down there, so I... Uh, Passed a typing test, which is that's a whole other long story. And Where was it? Midwest is Midwest Chicago. Chicago. Mm -hmm. So you're from Chicago. I am. You're Midwest. Jeez, I would have never thought that. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know. You seem New York to me. Give, give me a couple more glasses of wine. I'll, I'll call you back. Okay. Oh, there you go. There you more go. More wine, please. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we have it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. But anyway, so I started on the West Stock Exchange as a runner, and as I told you earlier, I stepped foot on the exchange, and I was absolutely electrified. I loved every second of it, um, and I had mentioned that. Back then, all the economic releases would come out on the tape, and we'd see like M1, M2, and people would stand around, they'd clap, and I had no idea what they were clapping for. So I ran out and bought a couple books. That's on, John uh, at 4 p.m. every day here. He's such a lie. He's like, why are we all clapping? Is something called a close? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Don't listen to anything he says. This is what we do. I've okay. had him a long time. You, mm. you too. But mm. um, so uh, yeah, so I started as a runner. And I just loved it. So one day, uh, about two weeks in, they gave us temporary jackets. And then I fished. This is so embarrassing. I know this is going to be a live in perpetuity now. But I fished an old S&P tear guide out of the garbage because it was way too expensive at my salary of about $8,000 a year as a runner. So um, it, hand, I should rewind a little bit. I've been in the business since you were 12, Ronan. From a previous podcast, you gave up your birth date, so well, you look younger than me, Melissa. Uh, of course I yes, do. Yes, and Ronan hasn't really matured emotionally. <laughs> I feel like either, like so Pinocchio in that commercial. When I look around, I see nothing but potential. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that so, was directed at him. Th not you, I, I, but I appreciate that. So um, <laughs> back to the story. You have um, potential. <laughs> 
i was in the busiest section of the midwest stock exchange, which back then you know busy was a different type of busy. yeah and everything was manual. there was no google. there was no no internet, no anything like that and some one of the brokers stood up and said, you know where is harley davidson trade and back then the ticker was hdi and i yelled up. i stood up and said, oh it's supposed to. this is a specialist trades at nine bucks. this ticker's hdi and the guy stopped and looked at me. he goes, who the blank are you and i said, i'm blank nobody. That's a Midwestern right? thing. Yeah. Blank means fuck. Okay, thank yes. you. Thank okay. you. Thank yeah. you, Ronnie. Um, yeah, yeah, just I to put you at ease. Yes, thank I you. appreciate really it. No, these podcasts are uh, labeled for mature audiences. So. That's yes. right. No, I've yes. listened to them. Mm -hmm. That's a favorite word. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, the guy offered me a job. And then I, what I didn't tell you was the guy behind him says, don't work for him, work for me. I'll pay him more. So I went to work for that guy. And I got a huge increase of about $12,000. Nice. So a runner is, what, so what did you become oh. then? A trader? What's no, I was a phone clerk. Actually, I was a paper clerk. I take it back. I was a paper clerk. Did you get a and, different jacket? Uh, I did. I got yeah. an ugly green jacket. Oh, you would like it, though. See, it was yeah. leprechaun colors. It was, oh, was J.F. O'Brien and Company. Nice what, Irish what, what do you? How, how would you pronounce that, John? <laughs> leprechaun. What? Leprechaun, leprechaun. Jesus, God. My little okay. leprechaun. Okay. So Thanks I became a, this is another story I probably shouldn't tell, but. No, go for um, it. So it we'll was paper click, and one day they were super busy. You're going to have to edit this one. And they got, <laughs> and they put, they put me into the, in the seat and said, pick up the phone. I don't know what I'm doing. So the guy, I pick up the phone, and it's a gentleman. <clears throat> I use that loosely from Mon Jenny from <laughs> Montgomery uh, Securities out in California. And he says, cross 50,000 uh, Beckton Dickinson. So I s send back, oh, like the Black & Decker ticker symbol. Not BDX, but oh, BDK. Yeah. And he says, listen, you lousy. And he used the word. Mm -hmm, he used mm -hmm. the word. I think we know said, the word you mean. I know. And he said, hang up the phone and put somebody on the phone that knows what they're doing. Really that was my word. first. That was my. Oh wow. yeah. That was my first. first so that was foray. what. So that was a, actually a question I was going to ask you. So I admire you for many reasons, but in particular, like working your way up the rungs at particularly at that particular time at a. I mean, there's probably a lot fewer women on Wall Street even then, and not that it's so great now. Do you think things have changed very much? Number one, how did you manage to sort of survive? I'm sure a lot of. <clears throat> very unpleasant behavior, I can imagine, by people that you were working for. How um, how did you do it? Well, two things. First of all, not necessarily the people I was working for, because when you're on an exchange, or you're in it, I went from the exchange to an exchange to an exchange to upstairs as a sell side, and I became a NASDAQ trader. As a quant trader first, and I became a NASDAQ trader. Um, it, it's not necessarily the people you work for, sometimes it's people you work with who may not even be in the, in the mm, company. Yeah. And it was rough, and you had two avenues. You could be not a nice person, meaning very solid, very cranky, and mm -hmm. basically a bitch. Or you could be a little more accommodating, mm -hmm. let's say. Um, I chose friendly, the, I, say. friendly. Mm -hmm. I chose mm -hmm. the not so friendly route. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I have to be honest with you, John. There, you're right. There were very few women. The women who I did run into in the business did absolutely help. But there were a lot of men who really stood behind me, who found that I had potential or felt I had potential, and wanted to lift me up. So, if it wasn't for the men in my career. The really good men, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have stayed in. That's it. Do you feel like now there are enough women who sort of try to um, act as mentors for other women um, and to help them, or? Um, not so much. It all depends on the number it, of women that are out there. It depends on the women in the position, to be yeah. honest with you. I think it's it's the same uh, probably with, with men. 
Um, I, I firmly believe that for, for me, it doesn't matter what gender you are, if you want to be mentored, if you have a passion, I'm willing to help you out. So, and I think there's a fair amount of people, and the organization I work for is very women, very female friendly. It's actually, I should say it's gender, there's no gender lens, period. There's the, it's an amazing organization, and that's not a plug to Glenn Mead by any stretch, but I'm very lucky they don't, they pick the best person, best qualified person for. Yeah, I mean, look, even, even us, IEX, so when the book was written about us, there was about 30 employees, 32, and I think at the time we only had the one female employee, and uh, we took a little bit of heat for that. And it's 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 something that we take a lot of pride in now. Like of our six executives, three are women, and we didn't we just don't hire people because they're women. Right. But it's uh it's it's panning out fantastically. And Ryan is wonderful on that metric. He's awful in almost every other respect, but he you know. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Be sensitive. Yeah. Be careful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very sensitive. Yeah. Very sensitive. Thanks. Okay. Well, speaking of Glenn Mead, mm -hmm. uh, Glenn Mead's the firm you work at now. What what do you do there? What is it you do? And what do I, what do, I do? <laughs> hmm. That's from like Office Space, right? What is it you do here? I've never seen that. Oh, really? Oh, I know. Isn't that, everybody movie. tells yeah, me that I yeah, haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, I'm director of equity trading. So basically, we have a small team, and we are responsible for trading both our trust fund contingency, we have two silos in the organization, and our institutional management side, which encompasses funds and you know mutual funds, our quant prior directive management side. And that's both domestic and international, correct? Or well, how right that, now, how that broken out? interesting. Right yeah. now, we are strictly domestic. We do have an ADR product. How, and then how did you get over to the buy side? It's funny because like last uh, <laughs> podcast, uh, well, a couple of podcasts ago, we had the two characters of Tim Mahoney and John Clark, and both now are no longer on the buy side. Right. But both were on the buy side actually together at one point. How did you go the opposite way? Well, you do know I was at Merrill Lynch while they were at Malim. Really? Or, yeah. Oh, I didn't it know was actually, that. It was, Look at this. That's right. This is and like six degrees of John Ramsey. Well, <laughs> well, you do know Merrill Lynch is like a sprawl. Like everybody's yeah. been with Mother Merrill at some point. Mm -hmm. So it was actually Malam and it became Malam. <laughs> I'll talk about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about his mother. I'm not going to. with the Irish mom. Sorry. Her name's not Meryl, it's Mary. <laughs> we're not very long into the podcast and we're already, anyway, please go ahead. Chugging wine. Um, I'm sorry, well, yeah. oh, okay. how did I get to the buy side? Yeah. It's actually, that's kind of a personal story too. And people thought I was nuts because I was a NASDAQ trader um, just coming off a of dot com. It was before 9-11, so I started actively looking in 2000. I had a great gig there. I was one of two female traders out of 30 NASDAQ traders. Um, but but it's interesting because I went on maternity leave. I had an ill child who's absolutely fine now. She's going to be 22. Mm -hmm. She's fine except she's a pain in the butt. No, I don't mean that, Sarah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not editing so, that, Sarah. No, <laughs> yeah. So I, I decided my, my my uh, husband at the time, my ex-husband, was living in Pennsylvania, and I was here, right across the street at Merrill Lynch. Oh yeah, yeah financial center. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a great, great place to work. I loved it, um, and I decided to make a decision for my family. So uh, here I was. Uh, about seven months pregnant, beating the street, looking for a job in Philadelphia. And at the time, there were a fair amount of asset managers. Now there's only a small handful mm, because yeah, the industry true. has gone that way all over the place. It's mm, not just Philadelphia-centric. Mm. And I remember going down there, and I had a PM ask me, why would you leave the sell side? You're never going to make that much money on the buy side. It's just not going to happen for you. Like, and it was, I said it was a personal decision. But I had a lot of heat for leaving the, the sell side when I did. It was the best move I ever I don't know. I mean, right after that, they bought Herzog. Yeah, and you never uh, know. and it was mm. that was the top of the market at the time mm. until last week. So I have a question, uh, oh, which great. is a, a, a timely topical question. Put your so hand up next time. People are excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, listeners. So, I anyway, love John. Yeah. So um, topical question about coronavirus and all of that. 
Um, you guys obviously have been thinking about this. Um, do you have high level of confidence that you're prepared for any contingency planning, working away from home, all that kinds of stuff? I think people would be interested in what your thoughts are about that. I've been with uh, Glenmead five years, and every year we've done a series of pandemic testing. So it's not anything, it's not a new thing, it's not a panic, let's try this and see what happens, throw pasta at the wall. We, they are very well thought out in that area. Um, I've worked from home. I've, I've tested out before the pandemic, and it works seamlessly. Uh -huh. So we're good. And actually, I called the exchanges. Um, you guys, I didn't call you because you don't care about me. We talked about that we'll, before. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I called the exchanges, and they all have really robust DR we'll plans. A little bit way. different. Thank you. I love you guys, too. Um, and so I, I'm, I have confidence that you know if something happens, this market will go, will tick on. Maybe not the way we wanted initially, but I think mm. we'll have some good opportunity, and I think we'll, things will be relatively seamless. So it's a good transition to uh, my next question around our love for Melissa. But you're on a number of uh, industry <laughs> committees, including the SIP Advisory Committee, the oh, yeah. NYSE Institutional Trading Advisory Committee, oh, you're the NASDAQ. The NYSE Committee, yeah. give me a wait, break. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm only getting I'm only getting I'm only getting started. I think he was number okay. seven. Right. The, the NASDAQ Six. Quality of Cork Markets Committee, okay. the CBO Institutional Advisory Committee, uh, the Azerbaijan Exchange of the World, <laughs> and she's a That's damn a right good American a citizen. Amen. <laughs> but you know what committee she's not on, John? Mm. I-E-X, tech. Mm -hmm. We'll Isn't see. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's mm. crazy. It is. I mean, I'm I, waiting I, for I her to ask I, me. I, well, Hang on. Sure she's playing hard to get. I'm playing hard to get. Are we courting each other? Yes. What? No, yes. Well, nobody's trying to get you. Well, yeah, that's me, true. You know, so. Can you leave yeah, the podcast yeah. for a few minutes? Thank you. <laughs> to get not in here. <laughs> it really is. But uh, no, uh, in, in all seriousness, from, from your standpoint, um, why is it important? He still hasn't asked. Jesus Christ, I thought I dodged it. We'll see, we'll see. How many women are on that? We got some times four or five. Was he, was a woman? Why is it important? Oh, back to the question. Thank you, Melissa. Why is it important to you that the buy side have a voice in these organizations? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, did I read that question? You, yes, I did. Yes, you did. And you did very well with it. I'm impressed. And you yeah. wrote it, I think, or somebody wrote it for you. Someone wrote it for me. I didn't write English it. English is a second language for Irish people. Mm -hmm. Why do I think it's important? For a variety of reasons, and mainly, uh, and it sounds like a pretty canned response, um, although I'm not reading the responses if you were reading the question, simply, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients. So if we aren't active in market structure, if you don't understand how you're using a tool, what that tool is going to get you, what your objectives of your portfolio managers are, what's the best way to get there, we're falling down a fiduciary responsibility to our asset owners. So that's why I'm involved in stuff. I think it's important. That's cool. And you're also on that. You joined me on the SIP operating, where you're on the advisor on the SIP operating committee, which I have to say are one of the <laughs> most torturously boring experiences. And people are oh, talking about like creating yeah. transparency by like filming yeah. the entire SIP operating that, committee that, meetings. That, 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 that would happen. be like an instrument of torture, right? Well, I mean, I can't imagine. Well, I think it'd be kind of productive, John. I think if people were to film it, let's take a step back. I know there are some regulatory bodies that would probably not want to speak mm -hmm. during that process, yeah. and I certainly wouldn't want to be showcased. Uh, some of that stuff. So I think it would be counterproductive. People wouldn't participate the way they should. Right. Well, frankly, I think NYSE um, sort of put that out as a proposal just because they didn't want any more meaningful reform in terms of the SIP committees. But that's that's just oh, my, my view about that. Here we go. There we go. Slippery slope. Oh, yeah. boy. He, he, he starts getting nasty. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get him in the nick 
Good luck. Little Nessie. Give him, they give the guy a wine, and next thing you know. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, all these committees that you're on, yeah. um, what, what you know, what what interests you the most? Like market structure is pretty broad. I know <laughs> yes. I've been on panels with you. I've heard you get pretty heated and passionate around odd lots. <laughs> yeah, odd lot missing. Yeah. Um, thank you, Brett. Um, <laughs> I think that we're missing a piece of the puzzle. So if you look, a lot of times we focus on what do the exchanges have to say, what's the relationship between exchanges and the sell side, what's the ex and then you throw in the buy side, and what, what yep. do those three pieces look like? And then I think we're, we're missing what does it look like for issuers and asset owners. So, <laughs> you a little hot over there? Oh. Um, so when you have, when you're You pulling, said asset owners. That yeah. gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I love myself some yeah. asset yeah. owners. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you pull three pieces in, and you're, you're, you don't have a complete picture, right? So I think that's one of the things I'm trying to champion for is when sitting in, and Matt and I are co-chairs of NYSE um, ITAC. It's not NYSE. They don't like NYSE. It's mm, NYSE. You guys are rotten. Mm. So anyway, um, that being said, I think that you know they've done a good job of we've we've talked to to um, in, in in ITAC about saying hey listen can we get LCAB which is their listing version of ITAC. For, it's a buy-side ITAC for listing. And we'll sit down and have frank conversations with them. And I think that if, if, if issuers understood that maybe some of these higher price stocks, if they split the stocks, you yes. know, and I have to, you guys aren't going to like it, but I'm going to shout out to um, Phil McIntosh over at, at NASDAQ for his intelligent tick, right? So I actually had one of our clients look at some of the stocks that have split and what happens to spreads. You know, if a stock's $100, it splits four for one. They, let's say, make things super easy. Not for you, John. I know you're with me, baby, but he mm -hmm. may not be. Mm -hmm. So if you have a $100 mm -hmm. stock and it's got a 100 basis points spread, I'm you. if you split mm -hmm. it four. He lost me at McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped listening. I knew it. He, he, got, he got all fogged over. I'm just drinking my beer now. Mm -hmm. If oh, you yeah. split it four for one, like you kind of think maybe it'll be a 25 basis point spread then, but mm -hmm. actually it compresses further. Trading is more healthy. You have, you draw on people who can actually afford it. This whole fractional th shares things has me a little worried. I wonder mm -hmm. who's got voting rights in that case. Does it go to the the retail contingency? Mm -hmm. uh, it gets dicey. It gets dicey. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we had better education, both from the the listing, the LCAB, the issuers, the asset owners, they should have a voice. They should have a voice as far as we can go on to the whole data argument too, but that's not ours. It's not yours. Sorry, guys. That's actually it's our, our asset owners. Yep. That's how I feel. Maybe I'm looking mm -hmm. at it wrong, but well, so on the odd lots, um, and would you agree that at least with so much trading now happening in odd lot amounts on a number of shares, that it's worthwhile having more information out there about odd lot quotations, so people at least have that access yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think about the word transparency? I like transparency. Here's a pair of socks for you. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, look at so these. I got, I got a segue and a boxes and lines pair of socks every uh, session. Well not done, that you're not well warm done. enough. I only came the for the socks lovely, and the wine. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. Well, who knows? And that's a the special bonus, too, because they're very attractive socks, I think you'll have to admit. Yes. I, I might wear them with a dress mm -hmm. just to turn they, people on. Yeah. They are actually warm, yes. Um, oh, well, like we need heat in here. Sort of fog over already. That's yeah, true. That's true. It is getting a little. Yeah, it does. Just go to guys. Intense. Focus. This okay. is like All this right. is business to me. All right. Okay. I'm on it. Next up, hot take, hot topic, buy side outsource trading. It's something oh, you see at like dang. every that single conference. Wait, do I get the colorful socks? You, well, I'll get you the colorful socks if you answer this question well. Okay. And uh, Melissa and I were at a, a recent dinner that uh, bared through for a bunch of buy side clients, and there was a lot of discussion around outsourced buy side desk. And it's kind of it's one of those topics that's a little bit third rail. Some people don't want to talk about it. Some yeah. people do. 
And uh, Melissa had pretty good, um, from my standpoint, uh, views on why you might want to, what you got to consider though when you do, and it's not as black and white as some people might have you think. From the perspective of a buy side trader, uh, what are your thoughts on the values of outsourced trading, maybe when you might want to consider it, and some of the considerations you have to take into account? Because I, I think it's thrown around a lot, and I never really hear much detail <coughs> talked about it. Well, don't let us down. Don't, I'm not going to let you down. Don't worry. <laughs> I think there's a specific use case for a lot of different things, but there's specific use cases. So, in, in our case, it, full and fair disclosure, going back to socks and transparency. Very ST. good. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Nice um, segue. Like thank you. Socks and ST. ST. Don't don't go with the third digit. Nope. So nope. Nope. Uh -huh. We're good. Um, we, we've actually digit. been Numeric. kicking. We've been kicking our tires on outsourcing a product, and for a variety of reasons. One is the bandwidth from the back office standpoint. It's not a massive product. It's kind of funny though, because my portfolio manager, who I am very lucky, I work for some of the best PMs on the planet, and um, they said, well, you know, outsource. A couple outsourcing teams came in. We can talk about exactly how that went down <laughs> in a minute. Um, and they came in and gave us their spiel, and they said, well, you know, would you like us to make discretionary calls? Now, this is for our quanti one of our quantitative products. So a lot of times there's neutrality involved, there's sector neutrality, lack thereof, there's non-correlation, correlation. It depends on what the factors are pointing out that month for us, right, from the rebalance. So the, um, the out, one of the outsource desks said, so well, who would you like us to contact if something goes amiss? And the PM says, don't call me, call, call her, because <laughs> she knows what, how we want to get this right-sided. That's her job. Like, we have a very good relationship, my desk with the portfolio managers. Yep. Talking feedback loop is extensive. Um, and they have confidence in us, we have confidence in them that they're making good decisions on what they would choose to purchase and sell. And you know, we talk about levels and this and that. So um, that being said, it, for that use case, or for a very small startup asset manager, it might make sense if you don't have the bandwidth to do it yourself. I think there's a lot of drawbacks, though, if you look at let's is a one-size-fits-all solution. And a, a couple things is, listen, there's some very large transition managers who already have all this infrastructure in place. And transition business is probably not as good as it used to be given that we have a lot of passive investing right yep. now. So now they've got this great infrastructure and they've got to figure out what's the next step. And kudos to them saying, now we're going to bill outsource trading. We're going to save you, John Ramsey, a bazillion dollars a year because mm -hmm. we're going to take that whole team and take it off your hands. Mm -hmm. That's great, but then there's consideration. So let's look and say, what happens if, and you guys know, you, you managed an ATS, you're on the exchange, you see order flow. There's a lot of directional order flow. Yep. So, Ronan, you got an order to buy XYZ. John, you have an order to buy XYZ. And then I come in third time XYZ. How does that get sliced up? You're the biggest. Do you get the, is it pro rata? Mm. Well, you were also the first in. So do you get filled before you get filled and I get filled? Like, how do I work that right. out? And who do you trust to make that decision? Exactly. Right. And how do I know I'm actually getting mm. what, I, what I'm asking for? Right? If they're saying, mm. oh, it's pro rata, do I really know if it's pro rata? Because they're not going to tell me what Ronan's doing. Right. Right? right. Um, what happens if there's an IPO or a secondary that we want to participate in? What happens with the relationship is, and it's already, we know what's happened to research relationships in the past couple of years with MIFID too. What if I want to make a call or my PM wants to make a call to an analyst? Like, do they not take that call? Mm -hmm. Because now it's a, a, an outsourced desk. So there's a lot, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Do you have like I a think. questionnaire put together? Like, th these are all great No, questions. I just get really nasty. Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, that we talked about the left side of the equation before. Yeah. I'm good at pulling that out when I need mm -hmm. to. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's, it's important <laughs> when you think about it, right? Because at a very peripheral level, outsource, and then people who don't know the details might say, well, save money. And I can understand it for one segment of your desk, but then I talk to other buy-side traders, and they hear push from above on outsourced trading. And basically, it's helped 
yourself find a replacement for yourself, and then it's very defensive. So there's there's different ways. Like you you don't want to be. Um, I guess viewed as being defensive as you give up sure. answers and saying, well, well, boss, the reason why we shouldn't outsource is for all these factors. So I'm just curious right. if there are there questionnaires, like there are broker questionnaires from the buy side? No, um, I haven't. It was a long question. Well, it oh, was a long question. Yeah, but it was a fucking great one. It was. Honestly, I, I'm, honestly, impressed. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. I'm, I'm proud of you, too. Yeah, John, go take let, a walk. <laughs> that's called take, Mother uh, back in Ireland. Mother, yeah, Mother Mary. Yeah. Um, Mother, Mother Meryl. God love her. Um, anyway, so, no, but, I don't even know what I asked. No, there is no question. And, yeah. it, and it's new. Like I said, we're kicking the tires on it. We haven't made a decision yet. Um, but the other side of it, too, is people forget that if you have a really good relationship with your portfolio managers, you're value added. Yep. You're part of right. the food chain in that process, right? So you're certainly not a commodity. It, I mean, you're, yes. And if you are viewed as a commodity in, mm -hmm. in your organization, mm -hmm. outsourcing is not a problem. Like, yeah. You're like, yeah, they, you're disposable. Right. If you're viewed as value added or you re alpha retention, listen, I don't work at a hedge fund. I don't generate alpha. My job is to retain alpha right that's all I need to do is mitigate alpha yeah. loss mm -hmm. so from that perspective if I'm good at what I do and I can be measured 10 ways to Sunday on it and they feel I'm good and we have a good relationship with the portfolio managers I, I really believe that traders who are in that position will ha have more longevity than they think in the in the marketplace mm -hmm. that makes sense makes sense it makes a lot of sense and I'm so glad that you're. you're I'm so glad that you decided to be here with John, us. I'm so and glad you, you come to work Ronan. every day. Oh, I thought Thank you were talking to me. You're staring oh, at me, no, you fucking no, weirdo, no, as you're talking to her. Like, <laughs> that's crazy, right? Didn't you see him well, making listen, eyes I'm with me? I'm so sorry and, that yeah. you had to put up with all of this. Listen, okay, so now I have probably the most difficult one of the day. Oh, so great! All right. No pressure. No pressure. What's your favorite Wall Street movie and why? Oh gosh! Come on. No, come on. That's like. It's got to be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Got to be what? John Ramsey. I like um, I liked Boiler Room because I like the point where the SEC is like coming out at the end with oh, like, yeah. their guns drawn. You know, John had like, an SEC up windbreaker. against the wall, mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He acts that out on the roll all the time yeah, with his yeah, windbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you really have like one? Yeah. No, it says REI, but no. he thinks oh. it's SEC. <laughs> Oh, I didn't You're have the so heart to tell mean. him until we were live on a you podcast. You are so Woo! mean. Oh, my God. That's my favorite movie all the time. Uh, I'm still going back to that. Okay. I mean, uh, what is your favorite rock concert you've ever gone to see? <laughs> Did I remember? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, fair. that's a fair retort. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh -huh. I don't think a lot of them. I yeah, I'm a big Neil Young fan, so I'd have to say back nice. in the day. Um, yeah, you probably did not remember any of those. No, uh, well, uh, The Dead. No. The, no those were, those were no. long gone. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw Guns N' Roses a couple of years ago. They cycled back through, and they were, like, unbelievable. I Rono, think uh, Ronan is a big Bono fan. I happen to know that because I've been that's, at well, to a concert. That's, well, kind of makes sense. Kind, I'm sorry. Kind, it's kind of cultural, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have no other choice but to be. Mm. He's our second messiah, John Ramsey. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the third. A well, very I mean, fucking twisted well, third. Well, I mean, if you're like, Irish, there's so little yeah. to choose from. <laughs> oh, here we go. Wow. He's, he's Scottish. Here we go. He's got the two yeah, guys just, who go, I'm just joking. Please don't write in. What are the guys who go, I will walk 500 miles. Anyway, do we have to go back to business yet? Yeah. We're, just, we're just wrapping up. So All right. What else we got there? I, I Anything to, good? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't I have don't any know. other questions. John, think of something. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of anything else. I mean, um, Melissa, you've been a phenomenal guest. We Thank appreciate you, for you. Having me. now that you've sweat with us for about 32 minutes in the hot box. We have. I feel like we could go like, on I for hours I feel like we're close longer. together that we should finally ask you to join our trading advisory Absolutely. committee. Absolutely. I'm a winner yes, today. Yes, yes, what, yes. what are you BIXs? I would love to. Yay. Like, you, you have here. a 
Accept your request. Audience. Five more minutes in the booth to get to my goal weight. <laughs> Holy Moses. Yeah, it is It is really, really hot. Um, we didn't wear the swimming trunks once again, but next one. Wow. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, You're Melissa. You're welcome to come back Thank anytime. you very much. Thanks, John Ramsey. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Opinions expressed by guests are their own and not necessarily that of their organization. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc., all rights reserved.